You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the Mets lost another game against the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander absolutely carved up the Mets lineup, but Taiwan Walker was just about as good on the other side on the show today in the first segment. I'll recap the game and the series against the Astros, but I really want to dig in in segment two on Taiwan Walker's season this far. I owe him a massive apology because I had said he gets by on smoke and mirrors, and what he's gotten by on is an outstanding splitter. That's been the difference this year. I'm going to dive into what I found in the data. Then I'll close the show today ripping a couple of hitters uh, on the Mets. For those Mets fans who are upset today on the heels of a three-game losing streak, I'll get a little bit of pessimism energy for you at the end of the show. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, the Mets lost another game against the Astros for the first time this season. They lost three games in a row, and it's obviously a time for some concern. June has not been a good month for the Mets. It's been a great month for the Phillies and the Braves. They're getting back into the division mix. I understand a Mets fan that is a little bit upset right now, but looking at this game in particular, I think that, and again, I'm always going to come off as the glass half full guy, but Justin Verlander was awesome in this game. And so you can talk about the trends of the month, and and we'll talk in the final segments today a little bit about J.D. Davis, Eduardo Escobar, um, you know, some of the the struggling offensive members of this team, Dom Smith uh, as well, and why that is something to be a little bit alarmed with. But uh, just talking about the reason the Mets lost this game, it was a good team, and Verlander was awesome. And Justin Verlander is a Hall of Famer. So, you know, you look at it, and it comes down to one mistake, and it was a game that really was going to swing with a mistake one way or the other. And that came when Drew Smith was pitching in the ninth inning and he gave up a two-run homer to Jason Castro of all hitters. Uh, Not a guy you would have expected, but you hang a pitch and a major league hitter can do damage on it. And that's the ball game. But Taiwan Walker should not be overshadowed at all. He was brilliant. I mean, seven and a third, four hits allowed, two walks, three strikeouts, did not allow a run. Edwin Diaz came on. And I think he was expected to get the final five outs of the game, right? They sent him out there to pitch against the, the that really tough part of the Astros lineup. Uh, you know, you had the day off on Thursday. I think that was the initial plan. But then, as Edwin Diaz is waiting in the dugout, there's a collision in the outfield between Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena of the Astros that led to you know a 10 minute delay at least. And so suddenly Diaz is getting cold for a long time, and it was probably wise to avoid throwing him back out there. And that really ends up being the difference in the ball game. But it was a really enjoyable game to watch. Uh, you got to love a pitcher's duel, at least personally. Love seeing two guys matching zeros where you know just one run could make a difference. You know, that one ground ball at the end of the, uh, what did it say, it was the seventh, where there's runners at the corners and 
Taiwan Walker induces a ground ball that is hit into the shift, and Jeff McNeil runs over and fields it you know, near the line in the outfield and makes the quick throw to first and get out of that jam. It's little plays like that that are going back and forth each way. You know, a diving stop here from, you know, uh, what's his name? Diaz of the Astros. I don't know how to pronounce the first name off the top of my head. Aledmus Diaz? But, you know, he makes a good play on a Guillaume line shot. I mean, it was just good defense back and forth. And I love baseball games like that. It was just unfortunate the Mets came out on the losing end of it. But it was really uh, an exciting ball game. And I can't go without mentioning Louis Guillaume in this one because he was amazing at third base. That was the best game from a third baseman defensively for the Mets since David Wright in his prime. I mean, he got so many opportunities. And that's why I think Guillaume now is a must start. I mean, I've been saying that all year. I've been saying that since 2020. But a must start in particular when Tywin Walker's on the mound because he's getting a ton of ground balls and you want Guillaume out there. And because that splitter just kind of leads to guys rolling pitches over, Guillaume is invaluable over there. I've talked a lot about the machinations the Mets can use with Guillaume and, and Jeff McNeil, these two utility defenders that in some respects outside of Francisco Lindor are the best two defensive players on this team that they can plug wherever. They can put Jeff McNeil in left or right. They could put Guillaume anywhere in the infield, and they're giving them plus-plus defense. This is a lineup that I've talked about a lot. Having Guillaume at third, having McNeil at second, Lindor at short, obviously Dom got the start over Pete Alonso, but I think Pete is just as solid over there. That's such a solid defensive infield. And then you had Ender Inciarte in the outfield kind of filling that Jankowski-type role starting a day game. Uh, I like the team – in general, they went out there with today. Obviously, the offense really struggled, but I think this was Buck trying to win a pitcher's duel, knowing that it was going to be tough to scratch anything across Verlander. And uh, obviously, I think the the impact that Guillaume brought defensively was way more than anything the Mets could have gotten from Eduardo Escobar, J.D. Davis's bat in the lineup because they haven't been that great offensively either. But you're talking about 10 plays on ground outs made by Guillaume. He caught a pop out. Uh, he started a double play. He was just everywhere. Um, you know, making plays in on balls to his right, guarding the line to his left. I mean, just incredible uh, what he did defensively. And that's why I like him at third over Jeff McNeil. As much as I think McNeil's good anywhere, I do believe McNeil's a better second baseman than a third baseman. And Guillaume is just awesome wherever you put him. So I uh, really like the group that they went out there with. It, it's unfortunate they were unable to to win this one, but you know, it's a good baseball team over there. There's two teams in baseball that have a better winning percentage than the Mets. It's the Yankees and the Astros right now. So there's no shame in losing to that team. There would be some shame, though, if this continues into the weekend. you got to handle your business against the Rangers and win that series. But we'll talk about that a little more tomorrow because there is a day off. I want to focus in on Taiwan Walker. I, I owe him a serious apology uh, for the way I was criticizing him early in the season based on strikeout numbers. When I looked at, at, at all the, the data now, it's clear that what he's doing is sustainable and it's all predicated on his outstanding splitter. Before we get to that, though, with the spring in the air, it's that time for renewal and growth, both personally and professionally. And as your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Once there, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates 
with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. anyone who has been listening to this show knows that I had a common line that I would say when it came to Taiwan Walker, that he's getting by on smoke and mirrors. And it was a bad take. I'll own my bad takes. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Taiwan Walker splitter is one of the best pitches in baseball. And that is why he's been so successful. It's not some smoke and mirrors. It's that guys are taking that splitter and simply put, they're rolling it over. They're hitting it into the ground. And that is causing for a lot of ground outs, which obviously is letting him pitch deeper into games. He's not getting his strikeouts, but he's getting outs. He's getting out of jams. And it's all based off that one pitch. And if you look at last year, he threw his split finger 14.2% of the time. This year, up to 29.7. So he's doubled the use of his splitter. And that is causing great results. Batters are hitting 155 against his splitter this year with a 186 slugging percentage. Now you look at the expected metrics, right? expected batting average of 220 expected slugging of 331 so that would predict a slight regression but i am starting to get a little bit fed up with one component of expected metrics and i've talked about it a lot when it comes to jd davis the hard hit element just because a ball is hit hard doesn't necessarily mean that the expected batting average or the expected slugging percentage is uh, necessarily going to result in what the metrics are telling us it will result in because as hard as you can hit a baseball if you hit it straight into the ground that is not an effective way to get on base and so you're talking about what batters are doing against Taiwan Walker and if you go to his baseball savant page nothing's going to jump out it's going to show you that um, you know the expected batting average should be way higher because they're hitting him hard and all these different things but then you realize the way he is effectively using his splitter has allowed him to kind of circumvent the metrics and maybe create an illusion like I've kind of talked about where you think he's getting by on smoke and mirrors, but really he's getting by because of a really good pitch. And so you look at what batters are really doing against that split finger and the launch angle against the pitch is minus four. That's the degree. So that tells you that batters are just hitting that that baseball right to the ground because there's such great you know vertical movement on the pitch that – they can't identify it and get a barrel on it. Instead, they are swinging over it. And when they do make contact, they're drilling the ball into the ground. And you got guys like Luigi Orme and Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor behind them, fielding ground balls, making plays, and giving the Mets a chance to win most days. The ground ball percentage against his splitter this year is up from around 50% last year to, I think it might have been 54%. I didn't write that down, but I know it was in the low 50s. To 75% this year. So three out of every four times that a batter makes contact on his splitter, they're hitting it into the ground. And again, if you're shifting properly, as the Mets generally do, with really good fielders, that will result in a lot of success. 
Now you look at run value. Okay. Run value is a way to understand the run impact of an event based on the numbers of runners on base, uh, outs, balls, and strike count. Essentially what run value tries to tell you is not only is it talking about how effective a pitch is just in general, it's taking into context when you're throwing the pitch. So here's an example that they, they tell us, right? A strikeout with the bases empty and zero outs, for example, turns the run expectancy from 0.41 runs to 0.254 runs. Okay, so that's the change in run expectancy. That gives you the run value of that strikeout as being minus 0.2, sorry, 0.227 runs, minus 0.227 runs. This is how you get this over time. You know, this is a sliding scale, obviously. With every at-bat, a new run value comes in and gets thrown into the equation. Now, when you're in a bases loaded spot with one out and you get a strikeout, okay, on that splitter, let's just say, which is striking out batters at a really good rate based on that one pitch, that Ben Israel strikeout weapon, along with being his weapon to get ground outs, that is impacting his run value by a minus 0.789 runs. So because you're in a bases loaded spot with one out, you get that strikeout. Now, any contact can get it out on, get you out of the jam. That's a massive swing for you. And so that's going to show you the value there that a pitch can really bring based on the circumstances when you throw it. So when Taiwan Walker has first and third with one out and he gets a double play ball in the splitter, that's going to really you know positively impact that metric. Last year, the run value on his splitter was a positive two, which means that batters were successful on the pitch and scored runs against it. This year, the run value of his splitter is minus eight which ties in with a bunch of guys for the 27th best pitch in baseball. So he's got a top 30 pitch with that splitter. Um, but if you look at uh, the fraction points as they break it down, they have him ranked as the 35th best pitch with that splitter. Now you take that same run value and you put it over 100 pitches. Okay, so this is a way to kind of average things out, right? Because some guys you know, can accumulate more of a run value just by simply being out there more. You know, Sandy Alcantara throwing his changeup when he's out there more often, he's throwing that pitch more often, he's getting more events out of that pitch, he can accumulate a better run value than someone like Talon Walker that maybe doesn't have the same sample size. So if you break it down over 100 pitches, that gives you maybe a better encapsulation of what a pitcher's bringing. So for Taiwan Walker's splitter, his run value over 100 pitches is minus 2.6. That puts him a decimal point away from Sandy Alcantara's changeup this year. Alcantara has been the best pitcher in baseball, and his changeup is a big reason why, because he works that changeup so effectively off of his sinker. So Taiwan Walker's splitter this year is really different, and his ground ball percentage is at 49%. That is the best it's been since 2017, where he was fraction points off of that, a little bit lower, but obviously over a little bit of a larger sample as he was pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks, his last full season before Tommy John in his best season. With a 349 ERA and a career best 2.5 F4. So now you're seeing him pitch like that guy a little bit, and it's because of the splitter. The other big thing for Taiwan Walker is keeping the ball in the yard. When everything went downhill last year, the home runs started flying out. And I don't know if that was just fatigue. I think the All Star game in summer specs last year was the worst thing for him, not because he didn't deserve it, but more because it threw off his schedule and routine. He came out of the break slow. And it really just went downhill from there for him. This year, his home run per nine allowed is 0.41. Again, all these stats before today. So that's going to lower even more. Only giving up three home runs this season. 
Now, the strikeouts are down, as I've talked about, 6.75 strikeouts per nine. That's going to lower again. Only had three strikeouts and seven and a third. But his walks are down, 2.62 walks per nine. He walked two batters in this game today. So that's going to maybe take a slight tick up. But that's pretty much right where he's been if you're talking about seven and a third and two walks. I'd imagine that's pretty close to 2.62 walks per nine. So if your walks are down, strikeouts are down too, but you're getting all these ground balls and you're keeping the ball in the yard and you have a great defense playing behind you, there is going to be a lot of success coming your way. And that's what we've seen this year. So far, he has given up two earned runs or less in nine of his 13 starts. He's given up three runs in two of the starts, four runs in one and six in another. So altogether, you're talking about 272 ERA on the season across 13 starts. He's gone at least six innings in each of his last five starts and at least five innings in his last 10. So he's really gotten his feet under him after his first three starts. There was that short trip on the IL. Since then, in 10 starts, you're talking about him going out there and giving you at least five innings. That's huge. And then again, more recently, give me at least six. Right now, and this was before the start again, he had a 1.5 F4 going into this, this game. That's the best mark of any starting pitcher on the Mets. So he had been the most valuable before this start. I imagine it's going to uptick again. So suddenly, maybe he's at a 1.8 F4, 1.9 F4 on the season, which is really impressive. Yesterday, I did a whole podcast about who you trust in the Mets rotation. Who do you think will start a game four in the playoffs? Right now, the way he's pitching, hell, Taiwan Walker might start game three, but he's certainly ahead of Carlos Carrasco, Tyler McGill, David Peterson, and anyone else to get a playoff nod in that rotation. He's been that good this season. And I think going forward, that pitch, if he can continue with what he's done with this splitter so far this season, there's no reason he can't keep this up. And having Taiwan Walker pitch to a 2-7-ish ERA this season, that would be an incredible victory for this team and also for Walker as he can hit free agency and he'll probably get himself a pretty nice payday. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the offense because I know there's some Mets fans that want a little more negative stuff going on after a three-game losing streak, the first three-game losing streak of the season. So I'm going to hit you with it in just a minute. But first, I want to welcome you to the world of sports cards reimagined with the Sports Card Investor app. It is the hobby's most powerful resource where you can chip, where you can quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. And it's available completely free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores. The Sports Card Investor app is a must-have for all baseball fans. You can easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport with 100 more added each week. You can check the latest values of your favorite cards with the seven-day or 30-day charts and find the best prices and buy directly through the app with their eBay deals feature. Whether you are interested in investing in prospect cards and hoping to find a great deal on a player like Francisco Alvarez before he pops to the big league level, or if you're just nostalgic and maybe you want to get a Keith Hernandez card before the Mets retire his jersey, you can go back in time as well and check out cards of the past. All you have to do is download the Sports Card Investor app today which is available for free in the Google Play and Apple App Store, or go to sportscardinvestor.com slash locked on. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. That's the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. 
discussed a common thread when it comes to the Mets offense and it's their lack of production from their designated hitters which has also extended out to third base Eduardo Escobar J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith and you don't want to pin all of the offensive problems over the last couple of games on those three guys especially when Escobar and J.D. didn't even play on Wednesday but you look at what they've done this season and it's hard to justify playing time for any of them now, Eduardo Escobar, he has the leadership card. He has the vet card. He has the uh, you know, uh, the resume, the back of his baseball card with all the home runs he's hit. He's someone that I, I think was expected to play a big role, and it's going to be really hard to take that role away from him. With that said, he's hitting 222 with a 283 on base, 375 slugging on the season, a 658 OPS. He has six home runs and 261 at-bats. It's not going well for him. And then you extend that out and you look at J.D. Davis. He's in 243 on the season, 333 on base, 345 slugging, 678 OPS, two home runs, 148 at-bats. Nothing are you really getting out of J.D. As much as we can talk about the expected metrics and all that stuff and go back and, and listen to the curious case of J.D. Davis, right? really did a deep dive on it. As much as I think he gives you a professional at-bat too, it's not resulting in anything. And a line drive hit at the center fielder isn't out. I don't care if the expected batting average on it is 450. It's an out. 100% of the time when it's hit the way that J.D. Davis is hitting, line drives out there without a launch angle to get it over an outfielder's head. And then he's striking out a ton too. Dom Smith, 194, 283 on base, 265 slugging, 548 OPS, no home runs. I might have already said that, but if I did, I'll say it again. Uh, just brutal. And that's why he got demoted. And look, I really appreciate Dominic Smith as a person. And I, I think he has a lot of promise as a player, but he needs to change the scenery and, and JD Davis needs to change the scenery. And you're in this point where you don't want to just demote these guys flat out. You don't want to just DFA them, but what value are you really going to get for either of them? And with Escobar, how can you justify playing them? I, I mean, obviously they're going to. I expect him to continue to get at bats and you just trust that at some point he's going to find his way through this. But when you see your man out there at third base, making all those plays, how many does Escobar make? He certainly doesn't make all 10, 11, 12 of them. He's going to make a couple of mistakes in there where there might not be errors, but that ball might've gotten through and gotten down the line. And it's a double instead of your picking it with the smooth backhand and throwing a two hop throw to, to first base. That's so easy. For any first baseman to pick, but you know, Dom Smith was able to just handle all of his throws with these because they were all good. And I know Escobar has a strong arm, but as much as you want to talk about him playing a good defensive third base, and Keith Hernandez has given him a lot of props and certainly is better than a JD Davis or some of the other guys that have run out there over the last couple of years, Eduardo Escobar is not as good defensively, not even in the same realm as Guillaume. And Guillaume is hitting better, he's hitting 305 this year, 378 on base. 364 slugging, 742 OPS. He has struggled over the last couple of weeks with the bat, but he's still doing his job uh, You know, when it comes to the defense. And I, I still like the at-bats he's given the Mets, even when he's not having success. He sees a lot of pitches. He gets himself in decent counts. He can foul pitches off. 
He can get a pitcher out of the game a little bit earlier by just his presence in the lineup alone. You compare that to what Escobar's done the last couple of weeks, and you know he's struck it out. He struck out 13 times and 35 at bats, um, 114 batting average, 158 on base percentage, 200 slugging, 358 OPS. It's been pretty brutal. And JD Davis has struck out 14 times in his last 30 at bats, um, compared with just four walks. So it's it's getting to a point where something has to give. And I don't know what that means. You go out and you trade for a third baseman at the deadline. I don't know if that means that you just try to find the best DH possible and you roll with that. I don't know if that means that you dump JD and Dom and promote Mark Vientos and, and maybe you pick up somebody else on the fringes to give you a, uh, another depth piece. You know, Maybe you find some super utility guy that, that brings you uh, great value with that's maybe someone who can play really strong defense in the outfield, maybe fill that Ender Inciarte role that they have right now that they've tried to fill with Jankowski. And, you know, maybe you try to just really lean into the defense and the speed of the ball club and you DH Escobar and, you know, you maybe have him compete with Mark Vientos. I don't know the answer here, but what they've done this season, you can't keep running these guys out there and, it's getting harder and harder to justify starting Escobar at third base over Guillaume. Um, you know, Mark Canna gets maybe some more time off than, than he should. Maybe Mark Canna should be playing a little more regularly like Escobar has. And Escobar should have to ride the pine a, a little bit. So instead of slotting Jeff McNeil out to left to get Guillaume into the lineup at second, maybe you just keep the infield with the great defense. And you try Escobar at DH a little bit and see if maybe that can spark him. You know, I don't even see the problem in doing that. How about this whole series? You say, forget J.D. Davis, because what has he done anyway? Forget Dom Smith. And for an entire series, put Mark Cannon in left, Brandon Nimmo in center, Marte in right, with Guillaume at third, Lindor at short, McNeil at second, Alonzo at first. Whoever you want behind the play, they're probably not going to hit anyway, but at least they'll give you the good defense. And then you have Escobar DH. And maybe that'll spark him. Maybe just focusing on the bat and not worrying about anything else can get this guy going. But until he gets going, and the more that Mark Vientos and you know, even Francisco Alvarez to an, a lesser extent continue to hit down to the lower levels, not the lower levels, the upper levels of the minor leagues, the more it's going to force the Mets' hands. So I'll tell you, I got a lot of work on my hands over the next 24 hours. I'm going to write up the Taiwan Walker article to update the stats from today. So you can check that out at justbaseball.com, kind of building off this podcast. But also on tomorrow's show, got another piece that was requested of me from Just Baseball, and this is exploring Mark Vientos versus Francisco Alvarez when it comes to maybe filling that DH role. That's what tomorrow's show is going to be about for a Friday Farm Report. I will also preview Eliza Head this weekend against the Texas Rangers. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked On Mets. For your second listen today, check out Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by our prospect encyclopedia, Lindsey Crosby. He'll keep you up to date with everything going on with the future stars of tomorrow. You can follow Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you get podcasts.